Matthew chapter 27, verses 1 through 5. Find this very first statement, this very first verse here, very interesting. Very early in the morning, the leading priest and the elders of the people met again to lay plans for putting Jesus to death. I am so happy, so glad that I was not born in that era and gotten caught up in a meeting like that. Holy cow. That's um, unbelievable. Verse 2, then they bound him, talking about Jesus, led him away and took him to Pilate, the Roman governor. When Judas, who had betrayed him, realized that Jesus had been condemned to die, he was filled with remorse. It kind of makes me think, I don't know if he realized that when he betrayed him that they were going to kill him but that maybe that they were just going to arrest him. That's what that kind of makes me think. <clears throat> but he was filled, it says, with remorse. He was full of shame, regret. So he took the 30 pieces of silver back to the leading priest and the elders. And verse four says, I have sinned, he declared, for I have betrayed an innocent man. They said, what do we care? <laughs> That's your problem. That's your problem. Verse five says, then Judas threw the silver coins down in the temple and went out and hanged himself. Can you imagine having spent, and I don't, the Bible doesn't really say how long Judas actually spent with Jesus, but can you imagine following this man, Jesus, around and seeing all of the miracles that this guy had performed, um, blinded eyes opened, lepers cleansed right before his eyes. I mean, lame men and women, people who hadn't walked since birth, and all of a sudden, no muscle formation, no nothing. I mean, like, had, had never walked healed not just to walk but it, the bible says some of them leaped and and, and jumped for joy <clears throat> seeing all of that and, and and can you imagine the guilt that judas must have felt betraying jesus today i'm only talking to those who are having a problem getting past your past getting over, you're having a problem getting over your shame. If you're being honest with yourself here today, we all have problems sometimes with, with shame and, and, and getting over our past, don't we? Uh, but listen to me very closely. God's bigger than your past. He's bigger than your past. In Genesis chapter two, verse 25, it's the very last a verse in chapter two, it says, the man and his wife, talking about Adam and Eve, were both naked, but they were not ashamed. I find it interesting that right before they sinned, that, that, that right before they failed, right before they disobeyed, <clears throat> they had no shame. Think about that. They had no shame. You guys know the rest of the story. It, 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 it's just in the next verse, verse one of chapter three, it says, God comes 
looking for them. And what does he find? They've sewed some fig leaves together, haven't they? And, 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 and they're trying to cover their nakedness. And now, and now they are ashamed. Why? Why is that? Because they've disobeyed God. My point here is that he, he didn't want us. He, this wasn't what he wanted for us. He didn't want us to live in shame. But with disobeying God, we humans, we become ashamed after we do that. With Judas, he couldn't get past what he had done. And shame, listen to me, like it always does, took over his life and it just ruined it. My father was a disciplinary. He, 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 my father disciplined us. Listen, when I say this story, I'm just going to tell you, um, I never, not even one time ever even dreamt because it wasn't true, that my father didn't love me or my mother. Um, so when I share this story, I don't want you to think, oh, man, he must have grown up in a, a home that was, it wasn't like that. No, no, it was wonderful, 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 wonderful. My mother and father loved me like crazy. <clears throat> but they were, they were very strict. I, I, I was brought up strict. N n listen to me close. Uh, no backtalk. You didn't even think about backtalking. How many were brought up a little bit like that, maybe? You do what you're told, and you don't ask questions. Now listen, that might seem a little harsh to some of you, but it, everything that he did, he did out of love for us. When he did that, he's like, I don't know, son, if, if you're not going to pay attention to me, if you're going to ask me questions after I give you direction, and you're standing on the edge of a street corner, and <clears throat> I'm trying to get you to stop because I see the car coming and you don't, I don't want you asking me questions before you obey. You follow me? It was all out of love that he did this. My father treated people with respect, and he expected us to treat people with respect, especially uh, uh, our authorities, our, our teachers, our policemen. Our, all, we, we treated people with respect, and if we didn't, there was a price to be paid at home. There was, <laughs> there was no cursing in my home. <laughs> there, was, there was no cursing. You, you, just, you just didn't do it. When I was around nine years old, <clears throat> my brother Stan, who was probably about 16 at the time, he was tasked with the, 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 the chore. Uh, we had a pool, and he, he had to do the, open the pool uh, for, the, for the summer. And it was, it was already hot, and... Dan was already working uh, in the evening. The boy, my, my mom and dad were working. And here it is, stands out there slaving in this pool. And I mean, he was sweating like crazy. And he was taking the brush into the bottom of the pool and knocking off the allergies and all the junk that's going on. And he must have forgotten to get the, the, the hose in there so that after he did all that, he could kind of wash it down or whatever. 
And here I am outside, nothing to do. I wasn't tasked to do that work. And so um, Stan says, hey, Steve, would you get me the hose? And I really don't know what came over me, Patrick. But I said, no. <laughs> and, and he said, Steve, give me the hose. I said, no. I'm standing right by the hose. <clears throat> I was a jerk. At least that day. Not always a jerk. But that day, I was, I was being a jerk to him. And I don't know what to tell you, but my brother, who's usually very, very quiet, came out with some colorful words <laughs> that when he said them, my eyes got as big as silver dollars. I could not believe he just said that. <laughs> When he did that, now I'm going to tell you, when I was younger, I was pretty smart, gotten a little duller over the years, and I leveraged that to the hilt. I'm telling you, he was my chauffeur <laughs> wherever I wanted to go. If I wanted to go to the store to get some candy or some ice cream, I was there, and if he said, uh, nah, uh, nah, Steve, uh, uh, you want me to tell Dad? And I was at the store having me some candy, and that's just the way it was. I'll never, never forget that. He was like my genie in a bottle <laughs> for, for some time. But it wasn't until my dad had already passed and my mom was in her 70s that we had enough gumption to share this story because we thought it was funny now at this time with my mother. And even then, I can remember feeling the shame for me and for Stan as mom reacted to our story. I believe that there are people here under the sound of my voice dealing with guilt and shame and, and You've got something in your past. And when I say past, I mean like last month, last week, yesterday, maybe today on the way. Every person in here today, there's something in your past you wish you hadn't done, you hadn't said, and you're carrying this with you in your lifetime. And when we're full of shame, guys, what that does for us and what it does to us is we just, we stop, it thwarts us. It stops our, our, our pursuit of our dreams. It, it, it doesn't, we, we don't believe anymore that we can overcome uh, uh, the challenges in life. We don't feel, we get stuck. We get stuck, stagnant. <clears throat> and I, wanna, I want you to hear me loud, okay? There's nothing that the devil would love more than for you to go through life focused on your failures, and, and, and focused, feeling like you're unworthy. In the Bible, Satan is called the accuser of the brethren. He, he'll remind you of the things that you've done wrong years ago, years ago. 
Listen, before you get out of bed in the morning, he'll replay mistakes that you've made, how you weren't there for your children one time, or how you lost your temper one time, or how you gave in to temptation after already going through this time after time or time again. Listen to me very, very closely at this. If you don't let your past die, it won't let you live. So I want to look at God's word today and what it says about this thing that we're talking about today in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. The very first word, everybody repeat with me, anyone. Anyone who belongs to Christ, and that's key, has become, listen to me, everybody say it, a new person. You've become a new person. The old life is gone, the word of God says, and a new life has begun. New life. Today, somebody needs to step out of your past. You need to step out of your shame. You need to step out of your guilt in order to step into what God wants for you in your life. You need to step out of your past and realize the very first thing. In Christ, and that's key, in Christ, you are completely forgiven. Woo! You're completely forgiven. I'll never forget, I bought a brand new car, the only brand new car that I've ever bought, Jake, in 1985, a Mazda 626. <clears throat> it was when they, we were all used to driving the rear-wheel drive, and they'd come out with the front-wheel drive, and, and um, you know, we all knew how to, how to get out of a tailspin with the rear-wheel drive, but with the front-wheel drive, you were supposed to be able to just kind of go for it, you know, and not have to worry about all that kind of stuff. Well, I tried it out. I mean, I, I was li- literally, I tried it out the first snow, and it was right after I bought it. I tried it out. Well, I'm going to try this out, see how this works, and I wrecked my brand-new car. And uh, just such a stupid move. I was just beating myself. I'll never forget. I was beating myself up over that new car that I wrecked uh, uh, all night long. But, but you know what? I woke up. This was right when we first got married. I woke up all happy and lucky, kissed my newly, newlywed bride and, and, and some breakfast, had some breakfast, and walked outside and saw, oh, my God, there it is, a brand new car. I wrecked that doggone thing. I can't believe I did that. <clears throat> And I went on to work and got caught up in the day and forgot all about it. And at the end of the day, of course, I walked outside and reminded, there it is, right there. It's, 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 uh, it's all wrecked. And Every time I would see that, that brand new car wrecked, I was thrown into this different mindset. And that's how it, it can be with us in our lives today. If, if we've got something that, that we just can't shake in our past, that, that we could be having the best day ever, and, and all of a sudden, we see someone, or we see something, or, or, or we hear something that reminds us of our past, and all of a sudden, we're overcome with guilt and shame once again. And if that's you today, <laughs> the beautiful thing is, in Christ, in Christ, and listen to me, nowhere else you find this, but in Christ, you are completely forgiven. Paul said in Romans 8.1, so now... Now there is no condemnation for those who belong in Christ Jesus. There, there's no condemnation. When, when, when you, 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 you know what that means? Here's what it means. It means that he knows about your sin. 
He knows about your affair. He knows about the, the abortion. He knows about the lie. He knows about uh, uh, the, the, the mess that you've made in your life. He knows about the thing that nobody else, or that you think nobody else knows about, and still yet, for those who are in Christ Jesus, you are completely forgiven. That's what it means. <clears throat> Listen, I think that's something we ought to give some, God some praise about right here and now. I don't know about you, but that, that's, that's, that's incredible right there. All of us have wrecked our lives at times, and every single one of us have done that. But as a Christian, as someone who is truly following Jesus, my life is not determined by the wrecks in my life. My life is determined by the death on that cross that Jesus paid the price for us. And, and I'll be honest with you, that's way, way bigger, way bigger than the wrecks that I've caused in my life. In John chapter 8, there's a story that talks about a woman who's caught in the act of adultery. And I'm gonna keep this PG for all of us here today, but can you imagine the vulnerability of this woman? It probably meant that she had no clothes on. Does that make sense to the adults here today? <laughs> she probably had no clothes on, and they, they caught her in the act, it says, uh, uh, drug her out of bed, uh, brought her outside, threw her before Jesus, who was speaking and teaching to a crowd of people. I don't know if you could just put your mind around that and wrap your mind around what that woman had to be feeling in that moment, uh, uh, embarrassment, uh, uh, guilt, uh, shame of unbelief. But I want you to watch very closely what Jesus does here. In the time of this woman's worst nightmare, in all her shame, in all of her guilt, listen close, because he does the same thing. Listen to me very closely. He does the same thing when you come before him caught in your sin, okay? So, so they bring this woman before Jesus and they say, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. What should we do or what, should, what, what do you think we should do? And the Bible says the first thing that Jesus did is he bent down. He bent down. Now that may not mean much to you, but it's pretty cool. The creator of everything that there is the God who spoke everything into existence, the first thing that he does in the Bible, the Bible says is that he bent down and he humbled himself. Instead of, listen to me, instead of standing over her like authority and, and, and just kind of like hovering over her and like he's gonna really, you know, kind of give it to her. He gets down. He demonstrates humility by going even below this woman in front of the crowd. And when you think about it, isn't that what he did for us? Didn't he wrap himself in flesh and come down here to this earth and give himself, became a man? You talk about humility. And then he begins to write something on the ground in the dust, in the dirt. And we don't know what he was writing, but Jesus, listen to me, all I know is that the same God who wrote, who authored the Ten Commandments, the one who carved in the tablet on that day, thou shalt not commit adultery, he stood up and said to this woman, he says, woman, where are your accusers? She said, they left. He said, neither do I accuse you. Go and leave your life of sin. In Christ, you are completely, completely forgiven completely forgiven. 
Guys, forgiveness is not achieved. It's not something you work for. It's not something you earn. You don't deserve it. But listen to me very closely. You do have to receive it. You have to receive it. Sometimes I don't feel forgiven. You ever felt like that before? I don't feel given. Sometimes I, I don't feel that way. But the fact is, in Christ, you are completely forgiven. You just need to receive it. Oh, gosh, you didn't hear me. You just need to receive it. You just need to receive it. You need to believe that, that he knew every stupid, every foolish, every sinful thing that you would ever do, and he still humbled himself and let, the, let them nail him to the cross and, and, and do all of this and take your punishment. In Christ, you're completely forgiven. John chapter three, verse 16, y'all can quote it. For God so loved the world. Who did he love? There you go. God so loved you that he gave his only, one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Listen to me very closely. In Christ, you are unconditionally loved. I told you, I, I, you all know I grew up with two brothers. <clears throat> Stan was seven years older. Dan was nine years older. And they always reminded me throughout my life that I was mom and dad's favorite. Just because they took me on some pretty great vacations. I mean, let's be honest. Them. But really, when they did this, uh, my brothers were, were older and they were even married. It wasn't that I was their favorite. It was just that my parents had some extra resources available at the time. And when I came along, got to that age, but listen to me, that doesn't stop them. They still say that I was their favorite. And the incredible thing, <laughs> I, it'll never end. Um, <clears throat> the incredible thing about Jesus is we're all his favorite. Listen to me, you're the one that he loves. You, you might say, oh, not me, Steve. You, know, you have no idea the mistakes that I've made. You, you, you don't know the past that I've lived, but, but, but listen to me, when I clean myself up, Steve, um, I, I know God will love me a lot more. Listen, nothing you can do, nothing that you can do will make God love you any more than he loves you right now. <clears throat> you're his favorite right now. He may not be pleased with all of your behavior, but that doesn't change his love for you. He still says, ah, oh, you're my favorite. Luke 19 tells us a story about Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector. And back in those days, many of you already know this, but they were known for, their, for being dishonest, cheating people. In other words, and the, way, the reason why that was is because they were, the, the, the tax collectors were Jewish people. But they worked for the Romans, and the Romans told them how much that they could tax. But then on top of that, they could, and it was okay with the Romans, that they could add on top of that. Whatever they added on top of that, they put in their own pocket. So they were cheating their own people. All right? And so it, it was a shameful way to make a living. People hated the tax collectors. And now Zacchaeus, he was the chief, it says, tax collector. So he was especially hated. He was looked down upon by everyone in town. And one day, Jesus 
uh, uh, came passing through town and word spread quickly and everyone went out to try to get a glimpse of Jesus, including Zacchaeus. And it was so crowded, the throngs of people and Zacchaeus was a real short guy, it says, and he couldn't see anything so he climbs up into this tree so he could get a better view. <clears throat> and soon after, Jesus came walking down the street. I, I, I imagine... Um, Zacchaeus was in awe because he had heard of all the things that Jesus had done, healed the sick and, and opened the blind eyes and, and, and cured the lepers and raised people from the dead. And now Jesus was passing right in front of him. It, it was an amazing moment. Hundreds of people all around trying to, to touch Jesus, trying to, to get his attention. And, and all of a sudden, in the midst of all the commotion, Jesus stops. And Jesus stops, and, and everyone pauses, thinking, oh my gosh, why did he stop? Why did he stop? What's going on? They got real quiet. He's going to say something. And Jesus turned, and he looked up into this tree, and he says, it was like time stopped for Zacchaeus. The last thing he wanted to, to be is called out or, 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 or focused upon, and, 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 and everything had stopped. And Zacchaeus knew that he was hated. He knew that he had cheated these people, and he had done these people all wrong, and he was just waiting for Jesus to let him have it. But Jesus said to Zacchaeus, he called him by name. Come, come down from the tree. I, I, I want to go to your house. I want to grab some dinner. I, I'm hungry. And at that moment, I believe Zacchaeus, listen to me really close. Can you imagine the feeling that he must have had in his life? Knowing the shame of, of, of cheating all of these people and everything. And at this very moment, I believe Zacchaeus felt something that he had never felt before. Something inside him that said, Zacchaeus, you're the one he loves. You're the one he loves. Out of all the people that were there that day, I mean, no doubt that there were rabbis there, elders in the temple, and, and, and respected leaders, and Jesus could have grabbed any of those guys for dinner, but, 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 but you don't have to have it all together, I think, is what God is trying to tell us here today, for God to love you. You, you, you don't have to, listen, you don't have to clean yourself up and then go out to dinner with God. If that were the case, guys, none of us would be here today. In those days, names were very meaningful. <clears throat> what I found interesting was that Zacchaeus' name meant pure one. And I doubt if anyone <laughs> in that crowd, for sure, in that town, ever called him Zacchaeus. Maybe more like you scumbag. You cheat. And Jesus could have just looked up into that tree and said, hey, you, come down. Hey, hey, sir, come down here. But Jesus didn't do that. I believe Jesus on purpose said, Zacchaeus, come down. Let's grab some dinner. The religious leaders probably passed out. Why would Jesus go to dinner with a cheater, with somebody who's thieving, somebody who's stealing from his own people? But listen, we don't see people the way God sees them. We, we, we look at their behavior and how, how perfectly that they perform, and, and, that, and God looks way, way beyond all of that. They saw a notorious sinner, and God saw the one that he loved. You may have made mistakes, and shame is eating you up today. You know you're not where you should be, and Jesus is here today, and he's calling you, and he's saying, you're the one 
that I love. You may be up in the tree, so to speak, ashamed, trying to hide, dealing with issues. Don't we all have issues? But God's saying, come down, forgiven child. Come, come down. You're, you're my favorite. I think Jesus chose Zacchaeus over all of the other so-called good people was just to let us know that our performance doesn't determine God's love for us. His love is unconditional. I have a hard time loving people unconditionally. And you do too, if you're honest with yourself. But you know, you know who I love unconditionally? <clears throat> I love my wife unconditionally. I love my two boys and their entire families unconditionally. And although those two boys, they've been wonderful blessings to me, I don't love them unconditionally because they earned it. When those two boys arrived, just like every other child probably, they cried at night. They kept me and Crystal awake at night. And I'm not going to go on into the toddler age, the teenager's age. It's not like they had to earn our love, though. You know the reason I love my boys? Because they were my boys. You, you don't love them because of their performance. You, you, you love them because of their position as your child. And you love them even when they're messy. I'm talking to the person here today that your past is messy. In fact, you're here today and you're thinking, gosh, I, I am so messed up right now. And you have a hard time believing that God could actually love you. Shall we stand together? Listen, <clears throat> I'm, I'm wrapping up here, obviously. But I want you to pay very close attention here. When my boys were little, one night in the middle of the night, I was in a deep sleep. And I woke up to a bunch of commotion in the hallway just outside our bedroom door. And little Dustin had gotten sick. Man, he, he had gotten it all over his pajamas. He got it all over the walls. He got it all over the carpet. And Crystal doesn't deal well with this kind of stuff. Um, in fact, if she had to clean it up, I'd have two messes to clean up. <clears throat> but I'm telling you guys, I, I looked at this mess and it was so gross. It was horrible. How many parents know what I'm talking about? If you just raise your hand. And then all of a sudden, I saw all this mess. And then all of a sudden, I saw my little buddy. I locked eyes with him. Standing there. All, all messy and so sick. And he held up his arms and he just cried out, Daddy, 
let me tell you what I didn't do. I didn't say, Daddy, who are you calling Daddy? Why don't you clean yourself up? Why don't, why don't you clean up that wall or clean up that carpet and then we'll start talking about Daddy? When you, clean, when you get that all clean, when you get that mess cleaned up, then I'll let you, you know, come into my presence and call me Daddy. No way, man. You know what I did as his father? I picked him up, my sick little buddy, all in all of his mess and all of his, uh, and I hugged him tight in all of that junk. I cleaned up his mess because listen to me, as his daddy, I'm bigger than the mess that he made. And, he, and we have, listen guys, we have a heavenly father who's bigger than the mess that you've made in your life in the thing that you're struggling with right now. The price that he paid is bigger, way, way bigger than the mess that you've made. Listen to me. In Christ, we are unconditionally loved. Unconditionally loved. Now listen very closely today. I'm not saying that the Bible gives us an excuse to sin. And if that's what you're getting from this, it's far from my point today. That's not, that's not what grace is. Because when you really understand grace, lock in here for a minute. When you really understand grace, you'll leave from here and you'll desire. You'll, you'll want to do whatever he wants you to do with your life. I don't care what you've done in Christ. You are unconditionally loved and you are completely forgiven. And today, if you're not in Christ, you can be. If you're not in Christ, you can have a relationship with Jesus starting today, starting today. Every single person in the Bible that the Bible talks about it, needed forgiveness from God, every single person. And if God did it for them, he can do it for you. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that Jesus Christ completely forgave my sins and he made me into a brand new person and he unconditionally loves me. And Jesus is just so much bigger so much bigger than any mess that you can make in your life and some of you here today can be a witness to that some of you here today can raise your hand and say yes that's me that's me that's me he's done that for me if he has i'd like for you to just raise your hand all across this building and those of you that are struggling just look across the building and see what he's done for each and every person that's here today Thank you, Jesus.